You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hey everyone, this is Joseph James. Welcome to another great podcast show, Purpose Through Pain. I am here today with Allison Lighthouser. She had, well, I don't even really know how to explain this honestly, but just living a normal life at the age of 16, she came down with a virus that left her as a quadriplegic. But this did not stop her. This is something that she chose not to live that life like everybody else may and choose to do. But she wanted to participate in life and spent the next two decades learning and healing. Her experiences has changed the course of her life and she has found a passion in helping others find hope and healing. She started her road of alternative health as a uh, healthcare practitioner in 2002 and then her own clinic in 2009. And she loves working with people's and their health challenges and helping them find a way to their wellness. And what a great and perfect candidate for our show, Purpose Through Pain, because that's what we're about. Whether it's physical pain, mental, spiritual, psychological pain, it doesn't matter. Pain, we have her on here today. Allison, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Joseph. I'm so delighted to be here. Absolutely. So, Allison, I mean, you, you looking at you right now on, on the video, you're, you're full of life, you, you, your family, the husband and kids, and, but I, I, I'm seeing a different aspect of you. No, nobody would know what you've gone through with, you know, with a beautiful, beautiful smile. Something happened when you were younger. I mean, you, you know, life started off great for you, and then it took a toll. Take us back to when you knew life is normal. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of five kids, and so we had a pretty active home life and enjoyed, you know, just being a regular kid. And I got into gymnastics and competitive gymnastics, and I that took my heart it like wild horses it was gone i was like totally in love with gymnastics and i ended up even wanting to go to the olympics like that was my my dream my my real focus and uh, i was training really hard i was um forsaking all other paths in order to really focus in that area i was a really uh, scholastically success was really important to me and to my family so it pushed myself a lot and I had some pretty bad falls uh, as a gymnast and I had some other immune things come up even before age 16 I was probably 12 when this happened and I got mono and had to be in bed for several months actually and so that ended up kind of curbing my gymnastics career and uh at, at age 13 i retired <laughs> but i uh i still had those injuries and i i still wanted to perform and to be an athlete and so i was competing in different sports and in high school i was straight a student and you know a scholar athlete and i was really loving life and i think i pushed myself really quite to the brink and um while i had all these immune challenges i 
I had more falls and more injuries and I was doing track and I loved pole vaulting. So I had some bad falls on my neck in that regard also. So I think I had some pre-existing injuries and that just became my weak area. And then I got a bad virus over and over again, just one after the other. Um, so my the first part of my junior in high school I think it's like an eight week quarter and I missed six, six of them. Wow. So I was really having a hard time with my immune system and I was really having a hard time moving beyond being sick. And then that just deteriorated and I didn't become quadriplegic overnight. It took, you know, uh, maybe the course of two months where I was falling a lot and I was having a lot of weakness in my legs, a, a ton of pressure in my head, a lot of pain, a lot of dizziness. And then, um, you know, it just progressed into then I couldn't walk and then I couldn't sit up and then I couldn't hold up my head and then I couldn't change the channel on the TV. Yeah. So um, it was a process and I, I definitely had a lot of um, buy-in in my experience of a human person being fully alive through movement. And so that was a really hard time for me because I didn't really have a ton of coping skills other than a hard workout, you know, or like, you know, pushing myself, feeling myself physically move. And so it was a really interesting time. Not only was it scary, you know, we didn't have a lot of answers. The doctors didn't really know what was happening. And I was having seizures and lots of different um, neurologic symptoms. And I was also having like organ failure. So the, the virus just came in, like ravaged me, like totally wiped me out. Wow. What was going on in your parents' minds at this time? I mean, you know, ultimately it's their daughter, but was it, you know, more of, I'm, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can for you or how, how was that on, on their side? You know, so interesting that you, you asked that because I have a, a client right now and she's, she's my client because she is trying to get help with a really stressful situation in her life, which is her daughter is really ill and she has a somewhat similar story to me she's working but she has a really hard time right now and the mom is getting resourced so she can stay present and be a caretaker and she actually came over last night because my my parents are in town my parents are visiting and she just went really badly wanted to meet my mom and she just hugged her and was telling she sent me a message today saying like that was such a special moment for her to encounter someone another mother's heart who had suffered so much you know because you can't really imagine being in their shoes unless you've had a child who's really suffered and watched that firsthand when you feel so helpless and i think they they have a really strong faith and so they always were looking to god for guidance and hope and endurance through it all because it what didn't happen overnight that <laughs> it got better and um you know my mom especially was incredibly persevering and trying new things. We went to, and I don't know, hundreds of specialists trying to find something to help me get better. And there are times when my dad would just spend all day on the computer researching, researching, researching. And I remember there was cer certain nights where I could hear him crying and hear his heart breaking, you know, knowing that he was just so ripped up and the um, helpless. helpless. Yeah, helpless, hopeless. Yeah, all of it. Wow. So as, as things begin to happen, you're starting to lose, you know, movement and function throughout the body. What's going on in your mind at this time? 
I mean, because like you said, your coping mechanism, even as a child, is was gymnastics, was, was sports. You know, so even at a, at a even at the age of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, kids are still learning how to cope. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's crying or crying. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because we, we at that age, we really don't know how to cope. You yeah. Know? At this time, it's easy to someone to mention a therapist or things like that. But and when we were 13, we didn't think about that. Yeah. You had to be rich to go to a therapist. Yeah. You, you know, and like you said, if you were if you had a medical illness, it's it's the family doing whatever they can to figure out, you know, almighty Google, so to say, you know, because no answer when you have a child that's, that's ill, no answer is fast enough from a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. You can't get it fast enough. Yeah. You know, what was going through my mind was, I think in some ways I was like hunkering down. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I just, I had, no energy. I had excruciating pain and my life had changed. And I really wanted to, I did have like this warped idea of what it meant to suffer well. And so I was trying to remain like really positive and cheerful during the day when people were talking to me and interacting with me. And then at night I would cry myself to sleep every night. Um, and there was a real disconnect with um, what I was feeling inside and what I was showing. And that wasn't all all the time, but there was a special, especially after like the first round of hospital visits, there was a really dark time where they didn't know if I was going to die. They didn't know, you know, what was happening and all of the interventions that they had given me had not worked. In fact, they were like the worst, <laughs> like every possible um, side effect from drugs, like hallucinations or seizures or breathing difficulties, like I seem to be getting them all. So it just seemed like there is no real quick out. You know, there's no pill that was going to make this better. And I remember just being like, I don't know if I want to live, if this is how it's going to be, you know, like my, I might get better, but I don't know if I really like, am I going to stay like this? I don't I want to participate in life more. I don't want right. to be like this. Right. So I, I know there was definitely a, quite a number of months where I was suicidal, you know, I. I couldn't crawl to the bathroom to get a razor, but I, I definitely feel like I would have if I could have. So there was a real um, desperation and a real despair that I was experiencing. And um, one thing that did help me and I found as a coping mechanism was was music. And during that time that you could like, you know, buy 10 CDs for 10 cents or something like that. <laughs> so I um, I did that and so I could listen to music and a lot of them were Christian artists, Christian music. So that was a way that I could kind of really connect to God and have something sort of to distract me essentially, but also to connect with with hope and the bigger story. And that was something that helped me trust and like stay in the game. And another thing that I look back on as something that was very positive for me is a way that I tried to escape actually. So I didn't do it like, oh, this would be really good from a neurologic perspective. I did it as like, I want to leave this present moment because it sucks and I'm in excruciating pain. But um, I would sometimes visualize, you know, doing gymnastics or playing ultimate frisbee with my brother or, you know, swimming, doing anything that I could think of. And so I would visualize doing that. And while to me it was an escape, we know now from lots of studies in neuroscience that was actually probably 
incredibly beneficial for my brain to be reactivating those neural pathways and everything like that. So that was going on in my head. Yeah, not to cut you off, you know, there's been plenty of not only just on the the study side of things on on research and things like that, but you hear people talk about, you know, we know by, you know, in our faith, the word of God talks about our our words have power, you know, they have the power to speak life or to speak death, you know, and even thinking of the things of I'm going to die or the suicidal thoughts. We can't help the thoughts that enter into our mind. We can't, we can't control that. However, we can't control what they do, what happens once they're there, you know, and by envisioning, by, uh, you know, creating those thoughts in our mind of I'm going to, I'm going to play ultimate Frisbee again. I'm going to do gymnastics again. It really does trigger the brain. I, I had a, um, uh, a gentleman not too long ago that was riddled with cancer um, to the point that um, I think it was like Christmas, Christmas Day or the day after Christmas, they had a big banquet for his physical therapy program. And then a week later, he was in a wheelchair. I, I mean, it was just that fast, you know, and to the point that they said that he could only literally open one eye. And while he was laying in bed for months, uh, dying of cancer, he envisioned um, the Pac-Man game. And Pac-Man was going around eating up all the cancer cells. I love it. And he says his whole body started to change. Yeah. Because of creating the neural path- pathways and, and re- reigniting those that's already there within our body, you know, and then creating new ones. I had a, a client recently who I was helping. She, ha- she was going through chemotherapy. I was helping support her body. And she with the visualization that she was using was that all of the healthy cells were on stand-up paddle boards. And they were like rising above the chemo and the chemo was washing away all the other ones, all the other unhealthy cells and the cancer cells. And they were like steady on the paddleboard. And I loved that imagery. It's, it's crazy the way that our mind, body, spirit connection can really inform how our immune system works, how our nervous system works, how we recover. It's, it's amazing. Just on that subject right there, what could you say to listeners right now? that are going through something that they feel defeated. They just can't in their own mind. They just can't come up with the motivating words. What would you say to them right now? Oh gosh, I have a lot to say. (laughs) I, I, I've been there, you know, there's a real darkness when you can't self-sponsor a positive thought. And so I actually have a little, step-by-step process to to take myself when I get there or you know to share with other people and one of the things is is to find a scaffolding like find something that you can curl around and cling to because it's not going to be every day that the the wolves are howling you know encircling and those thoughts are so hard to dispel or refocus or re reorient and so I would always listen to when I was having those moments or those weeks or those months of having like a lot of darkness, I would put on speakers or music or something else that I could focus my attention on, even if I couldn't really believe what they were saying or lean into it. At least they, they, the words were washing over me. The words were keeping my thoughts focused on that. There's like tons of speakers that I were go-tos for me, like Tony Robbins and Graham Cook and like lots of Christian speakers. And I would listen to worship music and even, um, you know, fun pop songs, even things that you wouldn't necessarily 
necessarily think of as like healing songs, but just something to break it up, to change it, and to give you a little um, harbor to shelter in, a little safe place that you can just relax and let somebody else kind of carry you through those days. And I think that sometimes, even with when I was going through the process of my wife passing away, I, I would consider myself a mentally strong individual. Always have, maybe because that was the, raise, the way I was raised, even in growing up in a very rejected, abusive, always seeking approval from my dad environment, you know, I, I was built mentally tough, you know, and so, but at the same time, one thing I didn't realize I was doing, I, I did this as a kid, is when the family would get into very heavy arguments and you just felt this heaviness around the house, I would play, I'd get my mom's stereo out and I would play worship music. Yeah. And within 10, 15 minutes, it's just like there's so much peace around the house again. Yeah. And I didn't realize any of that until later on in life. And then I'm like, we have the ability to create the atmosphere in which we want to live. Yeah. And the, the, the problem that we face sometimes is we think that we have to do it ourselves. And, you know, when you're, when you're down in the dumps, when, when, when life is coming at you the way it has for a lot of people over the last several years and even at you, a lot of times the last people that we want to hear it from is the ones closest to us. You know, we want their moral support. We want their encouragement. We want their affirmations, but yet we don't want to listen. Yeah. You know, and it's normally a lot of times it comes from an outside source that like the preaching or the worship music or your favorite, you know, whatever it may be. Like for me, I actually play, there, there's a pastor on YouTube. He's from um, Perth, uh, um, um, South Africa. And um, he does these prayers and they're like anywhere from like 15 minutes to an hour, hour and a half long. And I play those on, on, my, on, my, on my phone and I fall asleep listening to them. I don't I love that. hear everything that they say. My brain yeah. is gathering it all. You yeah. know? And I will wake up in a total different mood the next morning, you know, yeah. and I have to, I call it, and I didn't coin the phrase, but is feeding your faith and starving your fears. Yeah. You know? I think that's such a key word that you use, the atmosphere. And I think I would totally put you in that category of like an atmosphere changer, the way that you speak and the way that you just develop this community of looking for the truth, looking for hope, looking for the, the pain isn't the end, you know, the purpose moves on from there, the purpose through pain, the, the hope and the, the, it's not the period, it's not the end of the story. And I love the way that you show, show that and shine through and all of these things that you're sharing with everybody. And I, I think that's so true. Like we, we don't have to be the ones to change the atmosphere. We can put on a podcast, we can listen to somebody else and they can do it for us when we're feeling weary and downtrodden. Yeah. And you know what's crazy about that is, and you mentioned Tony Robbins earlier, um, I, um, I manifested the, uh, the aspect of speaking on stage with Tony, and it, it actually happened. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, I can tell you the story uh, later, but one of the things that, uh, that Tony that does throughout his, his workshops or seminars is he creates motion, because motion is connected to emotion, right? Yeah. It's... I, I always notice that anytime I've ever sad, I put on a sad song or a depressing song, right? And we make that emotional connection. But then I'm like, after going to one of his seminars, I'm like, man, 
when I listen to a certain song that he happened to play, because he actually creates playlists, yeah. his events on Spotify, and you can go to that. And to me, it's just like, it brings me right back to Stoney, Tony standing right in front of us, you know, and speaking yeah. and things like that. And so for me, I, what I started doing was, because uh, I'm a business owner, is I only lived about two miles from my house to my business. And I would put on that Spotify playlist and I would drive to work, getting me into the atmosphere or getting me into the mentality in which the atmosphere I created to be ready to walk into work. Work could be chaotic. It could be great. It can be yeah. negative. I, I mean, a lot of things can be happening because you're dealing with other people. But, and I would not get out of my car to go into work until I was mentally ready yeah. to, to go in there. And I mean, that could have been two or three songs. And I mean, listen, the songs range from worship songs to, you know, um, some Metallica songs. And I'm not much of a, a heavy metal guy at all, you know, but, um, or, uh, you know, Hotel California. So it's just something that would just kind of get me in a different mindset um, because I knew I was in a funk. I just yeah. know how to get out of it. Yeah. You know, or I'm like, I want to keep from getting in a funk. I'm about to go into a stressful situation. I need to be high. I need to be, my energy needs to be up, you know, and we have that ability. So when, when we're in situations like you're in, finding that music to lift us up, because we can always go back at any time because the way the brain connects the, the, the emotions and emotions and, you know, we can go back like, man, I'm having a down date. Let me go listen to this song because this song lifted me up last time I was in a situation like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I am sure that through, that's not the only time you envisioned yourself playing ultimate Frisbee and gymnastics. You've probably done that multiple times throughout your life because it brought you to a place of peace yeah. within yourself and almost like I'm pain free in, in a mental, in a mental state. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of what I do now. That's a lot of what I help people with is they're more sophisticated movements, but they're like helping to target a specific nerve that has an effect on the body. So like balancing your nervous system and taking you out of that space of chronic pain and overwhelm and being able to have an input like that song or input that's good for your nervous system so that you can heal better so that your hormones aren't overflowing with stress and you can have better range of motion and have the ability to show up and connect with yourself have the ability to show up and connect with your family and your loved ones. So it's, I love, I love that you were talking about that. Cause that's, that's what I love doing. Joseph. <laughs> um, so let's go back. So you're at a point that you've, you've lost all motion in your body, you know, all, you know, a, the movement, things like that. Now what happens? Now we wait. <laughs> now we wait. In my story, we waited for 11 months. So we tried different things. There were some things that helped, but not lastingly. And there was, um, you know, always people saying, hey, maybe you should try this or this. And my parents, like I said, were always doing research. And so there was a therapist that had approached my aunt who had heard about my story, who said, hey, I would do this if she were my daughter. And so my mom proceeded to call a ton of people who practice a specific type of therapy. It's called integrative manual therapy. And, you know, say, what would you do if she was your daughter? And they, they all said, like, I, 
she sounds like a very complicated case, I would take her to the top, you know, the, the most advanced therapists, which at that time were in Connecticut. And I grew up in California. So we were, we flew across the country and getting a quadriplegic who <laughs> has a lot of nervous system sensitivity and seizures on a plane flying across the country is not a not an easy feat so we went there and um they said we think we could help you wow. and that was not something we had heard and i had been fully fully quadriplegic for 11 months at that time so um i thought it was weird <laughs> i couldn't imagine like what they were doing but it's very like gentle touch and they're doing different things to manipulate the the soft tissue the blood vessels the bones the nervous system and it is kind of um you know you when you're in that much pain i guess growing up as an athlete you have that kind of mentality of no pain no gain you know and this was gentle and i was kind of like i i don't know about this um but my mom could see a change in me almost immediately like my color was a little better and so it was really her um her vision and her trust that helped me to go back and then it just was was wonderful and I began to regain more function and get more energy and get less pain. And so it was really a miracle. Um, and that process from not walking, not being able to sit up, not being able to hold up my own head, um, not being able to go to the bathroom by myself or brush my own teeth. That was, uh, that was in November, December. And then by May, I actually took a plane ride by myself to go visit my brother and I brought my cane, but I didn't really use it. And that was in May. So that was five months. Um, and the, you know, the visceral healing, the organ healing and the nerve damage took longer. Um, my fatigue and pain and stuff took a bit longer, but my function really was quickly coming back. Yeah. So that was an incredibly exciting time to, to see those victories and walking again for the first time. It was really a really encouraging series of moments. Wow, absolutely. So now you're traveling, you, you got to travel to your brothers. How did it continue to happen in terms of regaining your health back? Over the next yeah. Well, it was not, uh, not an easy, steady climb. You know, health is not a straight line. And anyone who's had chronic illness or had injuries knows that it's um, really and up and down there's like quite a lot of variation that happens right so there's a lot of lessons that we get to learn in those ups and downs but i i had great moments i had relapses i had times where i went back into a wheelchair but i had really high moments you know like years later i went on um i competed on american ninja warrior for a couple of years so it was like really high function and then um the second season that i competed i actually went back into a wheelchair for a little bit. So it was really highly fluctuating for a long time. <laughs> that was that was traumatizing in itself because I, I've done such a lot of trauma therapy around what's it like to not have a real significant amount of trust in your body. And when you wake up each day or if you do one activity one day and another activity another day, like you know you're not really sure what's gonna happen next, you know, that that inconsistency was really hard. And it was really hard uh, when I became a mom, like not being able to be consistently there for my kids was incredibly shameful and hard and just heartbreaking. 
that was a, a rough period as well when they were little. And as I continued to get better, I had, you said it in a different episode actually about how emotions are, we, in God's wisdom, you know, we have this opportunity to deal with them whenever we have the opportunity, whenever we have the capacity. So I had all this grief and all this um, disappointment and all this shame and all this um, just like, uh, and really like unresolved disappointment. And so um, after years and years of dealing with that and the ups and downs, I, I really have come to a totally different place in my life where I am steady and I do trust my body. And that's been um, the accumulation of lots of hard work and lots of patience and lots of gentleness and loving kindness to myself and receiving that from the, the father over and over again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because on the flip side of things, how many people deal with mental and I'm going to say illnesses, even if it may not be diagnosed, but I mean, anxiety, stress, uh, I mean, worry, because we put pressure on ourselves. And it's a good friend of mine said this to me the other day, they went to go see their, um, his mother-in-law for Thanksgiving, you know, that just passed. And she is just stressed out to the T on preparing Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, his wife said something to the fact of, you know, like people helping or, you know, you got to be really sensitive to, you know, to my mom because, and he's like, but nobody is causing her to do this. She's putting the pressure on herself. You know, and I sat back there and I think about that. I'm like, you know, and, and this is not a, a, a male chauvinistic statement, but you see that in a lot of women, especially around holidays or I've got to clean the house. I got to extra clean the house because I have company coming over, you know, and totally get it, you, you know, but the amount of pressure, even men in certain situations for, for me, I was raised as a child in the generation that men are providers for their home. We don't rely on other people or uh, other entities to, we have to go out and work, you know, and, and I, I told my wife, but, you know, and this was something that we were preparing for, uh, for before she ever got sick because she wanted to, she was a school teacher. She wanted to quit work and homeschool the kids and start a bakery out of her home. And I'm like, well, in my logical mind, I'm like, I just need to replace your salary. As long as we have that, we're good. So for me as a provider, I know I needed to replace the salary, you know? So it's that, it's that kind of stress on, on a man. You know, um, where women, it's, it's, the, it's the house, it's the nurturing, it's the children, you know, and, but a lot of times we put that stress on us that nobody else is putting on ourselves, you know, so for you to say the comment, I had to, I had to be easy on myself, I had to be loving on myself, you know, a lot of our bodies are sick because of the stress we put it under. And Absolutely. And because you're working in, in the, the health and, you know, wellness and, and industry, we cause a lot of issues for ourselves. So yeah. how, how, did, how did that help you, getting to trust your body? And just, just the statement of, I had to be easy, I had to love myself. How did that help you? What, what did that do for you? Well, you know, I think especially as a 16-year-old, 
I, you know, I said I visualized ultimate frisbee with my brother. I also fantasized about chopping my head off and like sending it in a package far away because I had so I had migraines for 10, 10 years constantly. And I just was in a, so much pain all the time. So I, I really viewed my body as something I wanted to like divorce. I wanted to disassociate. I wanted to really exile. Um, there was no I, I wasn't like okay, let's make this work. I was like, can we start again? <laughs> you know, I was really like, can we just hit the replay, <laughs> hit, hit the replay button? I, um, I really felt like my body was more of an enemy, more of a disappointment, more of like a, um, something that I didn't want to, to have. I used to like weep and like, God, why did you give me a sidelines body when you didn't give me a sidelines heart? You know, like there, it just felt like I didn't match. I wasn't a full person. And so for many years, I just really negated my body. I, I really was, um, ugh, you again, like, ugh, why do you have to take so much uh, care, need so much? Um, why can't you just, you know, be fine? So I, I had to retrain the way that I talked to myself and retrain the way that I had expectations for myself and cultivate that self-compassion. And there's, you know, a lot of research around self-compassion now. But then it was really they didn't talk about that and so i kind of had to stumble upon that with all the other healing journeys that i was going on and the the education that i was getting so i i really had to build my body back up as a friend and not only a friend but an ally like we're going to do this together like this is this is how i came into the world this is how i'm going to go out and this is what i have to work with and i'm going to love it and i'm going to cheer it on and i'm going to be like wow I'm so proud of you instead of hating it, you know? How did you go about doing that? Uh, you know, every, every moment is a choice and I get to make those choices every day, just like we all do. And I think it's, uh, it's something that builds momentum. I really love the, um, that Hawaiian prayer, the Hapano Hapano. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's, it's four statements that you say. And a friend of mine taught it to me many, many years ago. And I, I used to say that over and over again to myself, to different parts of myself. And you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. And so I used to say those things over and over again to myself. And I even, um, one of the dreams that I had when I was quadriplegic was to be in a triathlon, to do a triathlon. And I, I did. <laughs> and my kids were little, um, and I finally was able to train for the triathlon and the whole triathlon. That's what I was saying to myself over and over again. And you know, thank you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. That kind of mental discipline with the softness and the compassion just helped me to recognize that I was doing my best, even if I had an expectation of something different, you know, and um, washing myself, marinating my tissues, my cells in in those words and in in that compassion that was one practical thing that i did there's so so many others like lots of visualizations um the pac-man <laughs> visualization resonated with me because of the virus i i did have lots of viral flares i used to get tremendous fevers um frequently when i would relapse i'd have they'd usually be accompanied with a lot of fevers and um i had to also make peace with the virus that was inside me because we have way more bacteria in us than human cells. So when people are talking about like killing the virus or killing the bacteria or, you know, in the state that we're in right now as 
like COVID being such like a huge fear and a huge presence in our minds and our world, there's like a way that people be begin to make an enemy of a virus or bacteria. And really our, our bodies are designed to coexist with them and to be in harmony. And when we get out of balance, you know, that's, that's when the infections come. And so I had to also come to terms with like, okay, this virus came for me to be with me, to walk with me and to teach me something. So I'm going to thank it. I'm going to love it. I'm not, you know, this is what I call flipping script. Instead of looking at the virus as something that's come to invade your body, to cause you harm, to destroy you, you're like, no, you came to walk my path with me. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I have to do that a lot just because of, you know, growing up in the home that I did and then losing my dad. I lost my dad and my wife all in the same month, 22 days apart from each other. And things that I, you know, would naturally do, oh, I'm calling my dad to, you know, wish him a happy anniversary. I'm calling my dad because I just did my solo flight for my private pilot's license. And then I go to call him and I realize I'm like, oh my God, he's not there. And then I turn right around to call my wife. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, and instead of getting depressed, I'm like, you know what? I thank God that I had the time with them. You know, I remember one of the first times is when both now my, it was my dad's first year of, it wasn't a complete year of him being gone, but it was the first anniversary of my mom and dad. It was their wedding anniversary where both of them were now in heaven. Mm. And, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, I am thankful that now my dad and mom, after 14 years of being her being in heaven and him being here on earth, they now get to share their wedding anniversary together in heaven. Yeah. I just, I just completely flipped the script. So knowing that you said that, I'm like, that, that's just, if we can do things like that and welcome the fact that our bodies are created to fight off disease, our bodies yeah. are created to do, do the things that run marathons, um, handle the, the, the mental aspect of, you know, finance, whatever the case may be. But like, you know what? I'm not going through this to destroy me. It's, I'm going through this to make me better. Yeah. No, I love what you said. Just it, it, you inviting it along for the walk. For yeah. The love it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, there's so many ways that, you know, the, just the title of your podcast, the purpose through pain. Like when you know that there's something, there's gold in there, there's, there's such a different perspective that we can take. I remember there's a story it's not real, but it's the story about two twins and one was really pessimistic and one was really optimistic. And for their birthday, they gave the kid who was pessimistic, like a room full of tons and tons of toys that were awesome. And then for the twin who is so ruthlessly optimistic, they gave him a room full of horse manure. And then they checked on them in a little while and the pessimistic kid was like, oh, I didn't, I don't like this color or this one's already broken or, you know, he, he found things to be wrong with the room full of awesome toys. And then they checked on the optimistic kid and he was digging through the poop. He was digging through the mirror and he was like, there's so much poop in here. There's got to be a horse around here somewhere. You know, he was looking for the gold. He was looking for the goodies. And um, that's that's what we can train our minds to do, but we can train our hearts to highlight in our life. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and another story just to go along with that is two brothers that uh, one is homeless and one was a millionaire. Mm. And the homeless one was my dad was an alcoholic, you know, and he, he, he did X, Y, Z, you know, and the millionaire is like, man, my dad taught me how to, you know, manage my life better, you know, just to two different perspectives. Yeah. The same, you know, and, and I did a podcast interview with my brother, you know, and I got to for, for at the age of 43, I got to listen to his perspective of how he viewed my dad. And if yeah. you put us both down, they're two night and day different perspectives. Yeah. And I'm like, man, are we in the same family? <laughs> yeah. But it was just, it was what, how he grasped things, how he viewed things, you know? And it's just neat to hear that when we can shift, when we can honestly look at, an, at a different viewpoint of what we're going through, because there's no doubt, there's no doubt you, myself, or anybody else out there, the 7.2 billion people in the world, that we all have had something happen to in our life that we can say, you know what? I just need to give up. Yeah. I mean, you could have gave up at 16 and still be a quadriplegic. You know? Yeah. If you would have lived as long as you, you are now because of the f eventually functions of the body and things start going downhill. And, and, you know, and then same thing with me. I, I, I could have told everybody, like, my wife, and, my wife and dad died. I, you know, I can't raise three kids by myself. You know, yeah. I can't run a business at the same time. I'm just, you know, I, I can't even get out of bed. Yeah. You know? But we chose to think in a different manner. And we all have that ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, the, I don't think that any thing, any one symptom is just mental or just physical or just spiritual. You know, it's, we're three-dimensional beings and anxiety or depression even you know things that are mental that uh, labeled as mental illnesses have these physical components so that's why i love to teach people ways to intervene in their bodies and really connect with their nervous system so that they can rewire the story they can change they can flip the switch they can flip the script in their body in, a, in an instant when you find uh you know therapeutic exercises that are that work for you because your nervous system is different than my nervous system so when we find those things that work for us it can change you know it can be like in the car before you walk into work it can it can get you ready to be an atmosphere changer it can get you ready to connect with you know the holidays it can get you ready to connect with something that's hard or stressful and so that's what i love to do so you're at a point now kind of going back to the story you're at a point now that you're getting in touch with your body, you're trusting your body, you know, what happens from there? I mean, cause you've definitely, you know, it's taken you along a path, of course, you know, where you're helping and coaching and doing your, your living life again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, part of it was just embracing the ups and downs and I used to get really worked up and really depressed about when it was a down again, when it was a, a dip down. And so um, I think even now the reminder of the, the bigger picture of the zoom out button, if you will, to um, know that, okay, it's not going to be like this forever. And you know that healing's available. Hope is available. And you just keep going step by step, day by day. I, when I was um, at the end of my college time, I wanted to say thank you for thank you to God for healing me. And so I thought, what wouldn't a quadriplegic do? 
So I decided that I would walk the Camino de Santiago, which is a 550 mile backpacking pilgrimage through Spain, France and Spain. So I, I did that and that was such a beautiful experience for me because it really taught me a lot about what my pre previous experience had been and then what it was going to be in the years to come as well, where you you have a goal, you're not going to get there in one day. You have like a mini destination of, you know, that night you're trying to make it to a certain town and you can only do it one step at a time. So, you know, connecting to prayer, connecting to breath and just moving in that one step at a time is kind of how it went for the next several years. So I was getting better. I was, you know, staying healthier for longer. I was accumulating way more knowledge and able to help that help others with that as well as along with myself. And um, then just it was like a, a rock skipping, you know, you have the big first two or three um, splashes and then they get smaller and smaller until there's like very even and the, the stone's not even there anymore. <laughs> so I don't really have the, the ups and downs anymore. And the um, I also don't push myself in the same way. Part of that self-compassion was like, okay, I know I would like to do a backflip right now and I could if I wanted to, but that's maybe not serving me in the best way. That's right. more like impulsive. <laughs> so um, my, my spinal cord doesn't appreciate when I do backflips. So I've learned to just be like, okay, we're going to do something else. So um, it's been a great learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you got into um, medicine, you got into to healthcare. Yeah. You own your own clinician uh, or clinic, clinic now. Why? Well, when we first went to the integrated manual therapy clinic, and they said, we think we can help you. But we had tears running down our face. We had not heard that. And I was like, I, I, I had grown up very consistently wanting to become an art teacher. So I switched that, I made the exchange and I was like, I wanna do that for other people. I wanted to bring hope to them. I wanted to help connect the dots in their body because Western medicine is awesome and there's a time and place for everything, but we've really gotten so specialized that you can't walk into the doctor and they can't look at you as a whole person, um, not just physically, but mental, emotional, spiritual. And, and help you understand what's happening. So that's what I love to, to do for people is through the training that I've gone through and through the experiences that I've had as I can look at you, watch you walk, watch how you move, listen to your symptoms and make some connections. And um, people need that. They need that understanding and they need that validation. Um, they need that, that assurance of what they have experienced so that they can move forward. So I love giving that to people and then empowering them with tools that they can use at home to help them heal themselves. Wow. Now, is this just in what realm to help heal themselves? Is this just mental? Is this physical? Is this spiritual? What, what do you expand yourself to? Uh, yes. <laughs> check. Check. Yeah. Um, it's different for everybody. And uh, dessert. <laughs> Yeah, it's different for everybody. I think I I don't really limit. It's just whoever comes in, whoever wants to connect and who has the the desire and the drive to want to get better. And that could be from more of like a mental um, pattern that could be more from a physical 
dysfunction that could be more from a, um, an emotional usually it's like what you had said earlier about like the you always get a chance to to get through your emotions you might get through them 10 years later but um they just kind of accumulate and that can definitely cascade and affect how we feel physically and mentally Absolutely. so it's uh it's all of those things yeah wow. amazing how can people reach you? How can they find you? And if they're looking for help or even advice or follow you, you know, in your journey, your journey, yeah. you know, yeah. what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, I have uh, a website and it's HTTP colon slash slash, and then it's home.inner-restoration.com. And I have a free Facebook group called Inner Restoration. So you can come in and, and I have a free gift for people that want to join about kind of using our body and using the information that we can get instantaneously from our body in order to gain wisdom about whether something is good or not for us. And then I have a workshop coming up on December 11th about being like grounded and present and giving us different tools to be able to bring ourselves into that balanced place into that calm. And then um, I also have a free training coming up in the second week of January. So you can connect to the group, you can connect to the training, you can connect to me, you can connect to the workshop all through that website. Awesome. Awesome. Allison, I'm so encouraged one to even have you on here, but also just to hear your story, how you found your purpose through pain. And I want to, I want to ask you that question. What does that phrase purpose through pain mean to you? Um, everything really, it means everything. I mean, the devotion that I have to learning about the body, to serving others who have gone through difficult times is, is absolutely hundred percent from the pain that I've experienced. And it's completely changed my life direction what what I thought I was going to be. And, um, that pain has really given me such an opportunity it's like broken my heart open in a thousand different ways to have compassion for other people to see them for where where they're at and to meet them where they're at so i think the purpose through pain would be like a perfect thing for for the tagline of my life actually so it means everything to me joseph that's amazing thank you so much and for the listeners out there please go connect with allison and just you know, whether you're going through something, whether you're not, just get her information, get her free gifts, connect with her, share it with people that you may be going, that uh, may be going through similar situations, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's spiritual. This lady, she, her heart just reeks just helping and serving other people, knowing that she went from being a fully active child in gymnastics and having the dreams of the Olympics to being a quadriplegic where this was dictating and changing everything about her life to now where she has conquered that both mentally, spiritually, and especially physically, where now she's living that life and helping others. So guys, please don't hesitate to go out and reach to her. Thank you guys so much for joining us in this episode. And don't forget to subscribe and share. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.